count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. What is up? How is life treating you on this month, this day, this hour, in this minute? All right? And if you died today, where would you spend eternity? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I am kidding. God, that'd be terrible if I took that dialogue direction. No, I appreciate y'all. I love the fact that you give me your long format attention in regards to your content consumption. It means the literal world to me. Uh, something that I've just been thinking about and uh, want to be transparent with y'all about and just kind of share what's going on on my think board of my general consciousness is the idea of quantitative versus qualitative goals. All right. Now, I first discovered this concept from a friend of mine who is a uh, entrepreneur and has done it many times over, has found success, and it's something that he does to kind of serve as a compass for guidance, whether it's a market he's getting into or a specific business, is they establish the parameters of qualitative assets and quantitative assets within, a, within, within whatever they're speculating on. And when I'm not touring with the Cosmic Country Show, I am usually given some guitar lessons throughout the week. And a student of mine came to me fraught with goals, fraught with ambition, fraught with desire, and fraught with talent, which is uh, usually a, a kind of a hard hand to deal with. And I have still deal with that hand, of course, and I'm sure a lot of y'all do. And so their goals were just kind of like, I want to get better, I want to be able to express myself more, I want to play arenas, and um, I don't even play arenas, but we did sell out 250 tickets in Raleigh the other night, so it's fucking awesome. It's amazing, but it's not an arena, and it's okay. And I realized that, hey, 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 you are, you're fraught with qualitative goals right now. Qualitative goals kind of have no ceiling, so they're going to go higher than a skyscraper. And that kind of sucks when you're trying to get to the top there, because you don't really know when you're going to hit the top. So you never really know if you're doing a good job. Let's try to kind of go for more quantitative goals. I.e., I want to be able to, <clears throat> I want to be able to play one show this month, and I want to be able to play three songs during that show and not worry about it at all. Something like that. A quantitative goal for me on the Cosmic Country tour that we're on right now is to do at least 100 tickets a show, and we've done that for over half the shows, and we've also sold out a few number of shows. The reason why I'm saying this is because it's it's really easy now to have a lot of desire. And it's really easy now to have a lot of ambition because all we do is we see into other people's lives and we see the achievements that they show us. And it's like, well, that's kind of shitty because you don't get, they don't show you like when they told themselves they were going to wake up on Monday at 6 a.m. and they didn't go to the gym at all that day, right? And it's like, we don't get to see the actual humanity in people, in most people anymore. Now, there are a lot of people who we can subscribe to who do show us the humanity. Uh, check out my Instagram stories to see me 
uh, pumping up the van with gas at a pilot at 3 a.m. You know what I mean? Things like that. But uh, try to, uh, when you have all this desire and when you have this, um, you have this, this vibe that when you're operating day to day, that you're kind of behind, that you're kind of not quite arriving and you can't actually figure out why you're kind of in this Bermuda Triangle of, of desire and ambition and drive and goals. The thing also that my next guest talks about, which is, I guess, what is sparking my, my dialogue here is establishing a quantitative parameter, something that is legitimately achievable, really does help. And I am by no way saying you should do this. I'm just saying I'm trying to do this in my own life. And it's, it's kind of helping me from day to day. Uh, it's making me less stressed and it's making me put a good hierarchy on the goals that I have. And it's also letting me kind of say, hey, maybe I don't need this goal right now. Um, like I went to go buy starfruit the other day and I was like, you know, fuck that. I'm, I'm never going to eat this starfruit. So I just put it back. Uh, sometimes goals are like starfruit and you just don't need them. My next guest is one of my absolute heroes. It's uh, a, man, my voice cracked, damn it. Mr. Kenneth Pattengale is my next guest from the Milk Carton Kids fame. Absolutely one of my biggest influences, musically speaking, in terms of a producer, in terms of a guitar player, in terms of a thinker, a lyricist, and onward, singer. He's an amazing example kind of had to be a Swiss Army Blade of a musician in the sense that well, he's been nominated for Grammys on albums that he's produced and engineered. He writes the songs, sings the songs, plays guitar on the songs, and then has the capacity to communicate and manifest a vision, a vibe, and a momentum, and a truth that fans can relate to and buy tickets to go see for nine years running. <laughs> Absolutely wild. And he's extremely high intelligence and super kind and modest and humble. But then also not humble in ways that he will reveal truths to you that you will find useful and you can kind of keep in your back pocket for when we get confused and disoriented in life. He almost also will always be wearing exclusively new balances and attire that is likened to Joaquin Phoenix's character in her. Pay attention to this one. There's a lot of big words, a lot of great ideas. It's a deep one. Do you not think of yourself as a brand? I do. You do, right? Absolutely. That's what the kids think. So what do you think about that whole thing? That's tough. It's tough. Yeah, because you guys have a brand. We have a brand. And also, you know, when you think about it from the beginning of when um, my identity, personal and prof and public, uh, you know, like came to be or started to come to be like I can see how you think about it in that way. And there's elements and and uh, there's elements and and details mm. that absolutely coincide with the way that you think of a brand. Absolutely. But still being uh, at the ripe old age of 37, born in 1982. That's wonderful. You know, like when. Um, you know, like when I was 10, that's when Kurt Cobain went on the radio. And so oh. when you come up in that age, you, uh, are, you're trained to think that sellouts suck. Totally. And, and even though that's his brand, 15 years later, or wait, how, what's our 25 it, in April, right? So 12 years later, yeah. I feel like when you were 10, 
the popular culture didn't tell you that it totally sucks to be a sellout. Like Zero. here you are as an adult, literally like when people your age think of themselves as brands, it's like the definition of selling out. It is. And it's not wrong. It just feels different, you know? It does. And to think about it that way, it's quite, you know. But also when I was 15, there wasn't Instagram. That's wild. So like how would you get the word out? You wouldn't. You'd tell your, fr <laughs> you'd you'd tell your friends. There's no word to get out. There's no, you know. You'd tell your friends. You'd go to Jeez. the Sadie Hawkins dance or whatever. No one has there. friends anymore. I know. That's, That's crazy. Cool. Yeah. Friends are But you've now. made that work for yourself, like, not only as a business and, like, in the context of what it seems like you're endeavoring professionally, but I feel like yeah. that very much um, – that very much is like a social lubricant for you, and you make that work in a really natural and personal way. Like, nice, thank you. Yeah, you know, like I don't, you don't. Every any time we've ever hung out and talked, like, you don't, you don't um, possess the vapidness of an influencer. But, right. But also, social media is like a very important extension of your of your like. Um, social life right and of the way that you communicate with friends and the way that you oh, in do a big way. business and the way that you the way i also like approach art even absolutely right? yeah because it's a stage it's a stage yeah. it's a flexible stage it just comes down to the fact like for me there's attention and attention is currency yeah and it's like why wouldn't you try to harvest as much of it as you can in an organic way it's true that's like i won't name names but our band just got offered this opportunity to open up like stadium shows in the UK. Insane. But we so listened to the music. Full band? No, we would do it as a duo. Oh, for Mumford and Sons. Like what it, no, it's not Mumford and Sons. Who is if it? Mumford and Sons if Mumford and Sons asked us, we would go do it. So we, you're not gonna do it? No, we're not gonna do it. Why? But listen I, I think last time we talked you you also turned something you did equally badass last time. Not to cut you off, but it, yeah, it was like we, you almost turned down playing with John Prine is what it was. You initially said no, right? Oh, yeah, we did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Early on, we said no. That was such a mistake. <laughs> such a mistake. <laughs> but we did it. We ultimately did the right thing. And obviously, we cool. did the right thing. But we're not going to do it. But this is – and of all the people involved mm – -hmm. Joey, myself, our manager, our agent. I'm the, the I'm the closest one to wanting to do it. They all don't want to do it That's because weird. the music is so bad. Really bad. Well, yeah, it's like un, it's like unlike anything I've ever heard. But I don't know how these people that they make this music have sold out seventeen thousand tickets in Manchester, UK. Like, how's that real? How is it real? I don't know. But this is my thought: is when that happens, like. Like of the hustle that I've dedicated my life to, you have, and that you've and you're dedicating your life to. Yeah. How present tense? How how is it that that exists in a world where, like, you know how hard it is for somebody to say, "Hey, come on this stage where I've put seventeen thousand people in a room, and they're Man. ostensibly going to pay attention to you for." Hopefully long enough where you could convince them, like, you like what I do. Exactly. Like, how do, when that happens, that's yeah. the thing we're all waiting for. How does, when that happens, then we're tested by saying, but there's this 
terrible music you have to reckon with. <laughs> like, how is that even a thought? Why did, Why isn't it that they say that and we go, yes, we'll be there. Great. Doesn't it boil down to the idea? Because that left me with the question that I've been thinking about so heavily, so immensely heavily. Why is it terrible? Oh, the mu- that music? Oh, they didn't write a chorus. Like, they don't write choruses. The lyrics are really bad, and there's no... The music itself has no identity. It sounds like a like a plugin made it. Oh, so it's ones and zeros. Yeah, I, when we're done, I'll play you this stuff because it'll blow your mind. Oh, it really actually is bad. But how do seventeen thousand people like think about the proposition of going to see a show? I don't When's know. the last time you paid money to go see a show and sit in an arena? Right. On, on a Thursday night. Like, when's the last time you did that? I can't remember. Well, you know, I it hasn't lined up because. Um, of my schedule mm. and I've already I've bought some tickets for friends and so I know that I don't That's have right. an in but uh, that would be tool if I was in the same city as tool like tool. yeah that I would be and I'm in the UK when they come to Nashville here in two weeks otherwise I'd be there and I tried to go with some friends in Chicago but we I couldn't get away but that the to answer your question when was the last time it, it's right now I would happily pay 150 bucks which is what you have to pay even like the shows you sold out, but if you hit up the promoter because you work in the business, they'll sell you a house ticket. But like, I don't know anybody in tools. Can, I can't get a comp. I asked my agents, whatever. Yeah, like, I'd have to pay, but I'd happily pay. Go do that by the thirty dollar beer, sit down and and watch oh. some some Maynard. Wow, Maynard's hard. Got a hip replacement. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like he's such a little guy, though. Is it is he a little guy or a big guy? Small guy. guy. Yeah, little guy. Small I guy. feel like little guys are exempt from hip replacements. You would think so. Mandrid goes hard though. Yeah. You can't not go hard and be. You tool. like tool? No. You don't. I don't. I gave it a chance. Yeah. What about it? Is it too prescribed? Is that? Ooh, that's a great adjective. I just don't think it hits me in that primal place where I want music of that intensity to satisfy me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm surprisingly soft. So is it like it's like. Is it too slow? No, not at all. It just doesn't emotionally connect. That's it. I think Jerry said it best. Jerry Garcia, he said like, he said early on he realized the thing that you like in art or that you don't is the substance of emotional reality. It's like, are there real emotions in it for you? Right. I just can't seem to locate it. (coughs) Right. So as it turns out, what Maynard's writing about maybe just doesn't, doesn't, um, really it's not on your wavelength it's a different it's for different people it really is yeah he is i mean he's also that band when they hit it was like peak 90s culture where like he's singing about i mean it's like it's vulgar it's kind of nasty like there's well, a specific thing so you were but that's what i came you up you were a in. teenager uh yeah 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 but that's what i came up that that was yeah. my thing guns and roses metallica rage against the machine all, guns that is why was i started all. playing guitar Really? Yeah. Paradise City. Yeah. See, Guns and Roses all day. Yeah. Well, but and Axel, he didn't, he like more tapped into what was coming out of like the 80s glam rock, heavy metal, less so the like, you know, like, like Tool kind of picked up. I feel like it's in the same world as like whatever would, uh, whatever hovers around somebody that was interested in, in, uh, yep. Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson, like you wow. know the darkness and the you know whatever, right? The heavy darkness, right? But then you know you take um, very Lester Crowley, 
Yeah. Yeah. And all of that stuff feels like a lifestyle choice that you tap into. And then to totally. me, the one band that oh, wow. transcended all of that, yeah. which is, is um, to me, really important proof and evidence of just um, the message in words is is Rage Against the Machine, which oh, then became, I mean, literally, I think when you look at all the metrics, like uh, among the biggest bands of all time, because Zach's writing like crosses into a boundary where even if it's not something that's your lifestyle choice, like you have to listen to it. Right. Because he's, and yes. you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to it and are angry at what he's saying, but it's people that don't like, at, at a certain point, the m musical content's irrelevant. And like he wow. was saying something that's like a little bit past even the purview of music. Or, you know, it's what wow. you're going for. It's like if you talk about Bob Dylan or John Lennon, that's the place where they finally make their impact is when they cross that line of people who are into their style or are of their thinking and they cross into a place of where they're saying something that that enters the 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 global discussion you know the collective consciousness yeah whoa because right we don't see pop music doing that now no the smashing pumpkins you know like billy corgan mm -hmm. never said something important enough that all that Listen. that people are going to argue about it whoa does or that, that make someone an outlier then or is like do we have room for that now is that a is there a modern representation of such a thing right now uh Everyone kind of loved Mumford and Sons. Not on that level. Yeah, but Mumford and Sons are like the anti-pop stars. They're the, uh, you know, like, I can't, my girlfriend, I feel like she was reading oh, an article about you're this. You're still with your girlfriend? Yeah. That. Happily. That, that's wonderful. Great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yes. very much so single. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. That's it, okay. It is. It's all right. That's not keeping you up at night. Or um, maybe it is. Wait, whichever way. Whichever way you look at yeah, it. Yeah, wh whatever way you look at it, it could be. Uh, it could be. I hope that it's what you want. I hope it that. It is. It's just I hope like that life. It's like it's. It is what you want, and it's also what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I really like having a girlfriend, and and specifically, my girlfriend is the most awesome person on earth, and oh, I yes. wouldn't want any other one. Um, with that said, <laughs> she was telling me about. Uh, and I don't think it was as much as it's not my idea. I don't think it was her idea. I think she read about it. But an interesting take that cast the Mumford and Sons as basically the opposite of what most um, massive generational bands were, where they're kind of like the outliers. They represent uh, they represent a, uh, a a sort of lyrical point of view and a cultural point of view that's mm -hmm. non mainstream and on the outside. But there's enough energy and momentum and need to voice an opinion that they sort of represent a group that's kind of cast out of the mainstream. Wow. Whereas Mumford and Sons just reflects straight up the values of the mainstream. You know, oh. like they're they're pretty religious, even though it's kind of veiled. They're it's like the it's straight up pop music. Like they're not like they're not like singing for punks that feel like they can't afford a mortgage they're not saying well, you know like <laughs> you're right you know there's no henry rollins yeah there's, there, no, there's, there's no henry rollins which isn't to say that like it's still not great yeah it, well and it's not to say that marcus doesn't write good songs and write the songs that he feels like he's supposed to write and the way that he connects and he obviously connects with an audience but like when you look at all oh, wow. when you look at all the massive bands that ever like swooped into the 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 limelight that 
they're all representing, you know, like, like Nirvana's representing mm. kids that feel disenfranchised in a time and, pl- you know, like Billie whatever. Billie Eilish might do but that yeah. now, right? In some weird way, or like Green Day did the same thing. Totally, absolutely. All of them, every single yeah. one of them. Oh, it's wow. like they represent a voice that's kind of an other that's at opposition of like the mainstream culture. The voice of other. Whereas, whereas Mumford just kind of represents everybody, like everybody that's hanging out. And <laughs> well, it's so true, because like, even if you don't like it, you don't disagree with it. Yeah, yeah, because what, right, I mean. Well, what's that deal then? Because it's like, how do you write songs then that's still valid and still real? Your emotions are so personal. They're, they come from your one, there's been 108 billion people. You have one perspective that is innately different than all other 108 billion. If you're creating art, it's quite an amazing thing for that to relate to millions. Yeah. Like that's really heavy. Yeah, well, it comes down to like, can you, can you, um, do you just have it or can you rig the system? Oh, how so? Well, like, yeah, because like you said, there's, there's so many, there's so many factors that end up making the unique you. Mm -hmm. Like, are you in control of the stuff that makes that more relatable to other people? Or as it just turns out, are you the lightning rod for what people, how people relate to one another? I mean, because oh you can see this. There's people around you that are kind of after, like, a similar thing that you're after. And when you look at it, it's like it's so much easier for them. Or it comes oh, wow. to them in such a different way. And it's and you're like, what are they doing? And, like, oftentimes I feel like when you get under the surface and it's like, no, nah, they're just being them. And it's, it happens to be a lot easier for them because yeah, for whatever reason, people relate more. They think of it a certain way and the way that they think of it and put it rings the bell louder than the way you do and you know like all but so the point is like can you change something about yourself to speak more broadly that way i know a lot of people that do do that Mm. um and it can make them marginally more successful though i always find it comes at the cost of authenticity yeah or just like of really defining what's uniquely them which if you're trying to get a song like synced on a Grey's Anatomy TV show, oh wow, maybe that's what you want, or maybe that maybe you won't get that job unless you erase your own identity far enough so that it fits into their mold. Whoa, yeah. But it de- at that point, it depends on what kind of person you want to be. Somebody who writes a song that goes on Grey's Anatomy, or does your song have the ability to have a life somewhere else? Of course. And and then like also that month like, do you need money because you have mm. a bunch of medical bills or, well, like do you not need money because you were born rich and you never need money and like you mm. can just do whatever the fuck you want like that's real too all of these things come into play like what what kind of person are you what do you want to be what can you be that's the biggest thing that no one talks about that I'm so fascinated with which is like the concept of like you are born with a personality that you have very little control of. It's just fact. Like, this is a real thing. So it's like, what you're talking about, I think, am I summarizing it right by, you're saying people try to fit themselves to the job that they think they want, that they assume they want. They say, this is my aim, my aim is right. When really, your aim is guided by so many emotions, so many things that are undefined in your mind, but you're still aiming at a thing. When really, you should be molding the job to who you are naturally. 
I would the way that you uh, reflected that is representative to re representative of what I think and what I believe. Though I won't go as far as to say what anybody should do. Of course, I should never say was. that. Yeah, I should say that. I think my experience with human nature and the way I've lived my life is that people always sort of trend towards the former because right because we're uh, we're uh, a we're aspirational beings we want to we want to get the thing that we saw yeah we want to yeah uh, or for whatever we want to do stuff that's what it is and our brains are wired that when we want to do stuff meaning there's something that aches in us to do it there and is. when we do it we feel a certain way uh, I think that that's how we're wired, and I think that, like anything in life, if you check that impulse and aim for some balance against the other side, which is like what you what you acknowledge, what we're sort of coded to do, finding whatever the balance in that is, and trying to lean a little more into what your strengths is are? coming out of you. Isn't that hard to accept, though? Totally. Well, because it's ra it's so fraught. You know, like some, so? well, like so well, sometimes when you realize what you're good at, you're like, oh, shit, that's like my dad. And I hate this part of my dad, oh, you know, like, wow, like, oh, I'm flat footed. Oh, that's because like <laughs> my mom and everybody before her had these damn flat feet. And now I have to wear orthotics or whatever, or, you know, like you have the diabetic socks. I don't have the diabetic the compression socks. socks. Those are great. I know I, I probably should wear them for fun. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like that. And then but musically that happens, you know, like, Heavy. you know, like um, heavily. Like, do you think Lucas Nelson had a chance at oh. being anything other than a stoner songwriter, guitar player? Like, like, what if he wanted to be a banker? Poor Lucas Nelson. <laughs> he didn't have a shot, you know, you're, you're, you're disposed. Even like more realistically, <laughs> he never would have been a pop star. No, no. And I'm it's right. like, or may who knows? All all I mean to say is like that's a really to me a sort of funny example of like, whoa, it was you know, cards. Lucas Nelson finding himself because clear and he's a delightful guy and I and I feel like I've um, been around him enough to know that he's like going after what he wants and he's being true to himself. Good. But isn't it funny with a little perspective look at like him finding that it's an awful lot like Willie Nelson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> apple doesn't fall far from the tree, which whatever is great because great. that's something we should all acknowledge and, and reckon with and comes come to terms with. And, and also, like with that said, I realize I'm making fun of Lucas a little bit, but good on Lucas Nelson because Absolutely. he's taken that. He's, it seems like he's taken all of those things and actually really carved out his own space and something he wants. You know, mm -hmm. Willie Nelson, uh, one of the greatest of all times and, and yes. equal uh, music row songwriter to yes. renegade outlaw country. Artist, yeah. Like Lucas Nelson to throw in his lot and be in Neil Young's band every night for the last. That's a significant departure from his dad. And like and he's doing his own thing on his <laughs> own terms and and doing um doing that work mm -hmm. but you know I, th you think like what if he wanted to be a wall street banker could oh he have God. could he have shook all of that and you know what if he was wow. a wall street banker that like liked to sing songs every now and again and like at the corporate christmas party he sits down and somebody's like man you sound like willie <laughs> 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 like imagine kind of like him too. yeah imagine how frustrating <laughs> that would have been <laughs> if he just wanted to be an, like an investment banker <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> He's banking though. He probably would never. I wonder what his knowledge of financials are, because like I can't imagine you need money being at the Pistons. Like, uh, yeah, I would. I wouldn't think so. I would hope that that it works. They've out. got a good business manager in the family, yeah. and yeah, that he doesn't have to think about it too much. Have you much. ever seen that deer they have? No. There's a deer that lives in the house in Maui. A deer. Oh, yeah, there's like a baby in the deer. House. Yeah, it's like on their property. Do we know its name? Oh, I. It's on Instagram. It's a. It's an Instagram animal page. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. It's worth it. But they like they know it's there. They feed it and stuff. Yeah, an Instagram page for it. it they run it. I doubt somebody must have. That'd Some be so funny if they have someone <laughs> running the page. <laughs> like it lives there like it's part of the family. It's yeah. got like a bedroom and stuff. <laughs> Somebody makes it meals. It has its own Brita filter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I didn't know this about the Hawaiian Nelson uh, living deer. Oh, dude. It's wild. That's good. So you guys aren't going to Europe. You're not going to do arenas. We're not going to do that, but we go to Europe. I don't know when this will air, but... Today, the day we record it being uh, January 10th, wow, we're going to go to, yeah, right? We're going to go to the European, uh, the U- the United Kingdom. We're going to go in 10 days for nice. a short little tour, our own tour. Oh, in 10 days. Us and Ryan Bingham, yeah. But we're not going to return in April for the opening of the Rihanna tour. That's uh, like a mind-blowing concept to me. Wow, man. Yeah. You guys are patient. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's real. Yeah. It's like, because your, your initial thing to scale down, the last tour that you just did was scaling down venues. Yeah. And selling out all the rooms. Yeah. So there's a humbleness and there's the patience there. And there's a, there's a real uh, conscientiousness of knowing your fan base, it seems like. Yeah. Well, that one in the end, there's a bunch of other things that come into consideration and in, in like business logistics things like that. yeah like at sure. the end where like you said you know the one of the results having been like our last tour everything is sold out that's like in some ways good for business and good you know like on the marketing front looks whatever good. Yeah. looks good but at the same time like that tour made no money you know like it's not right. you know we can't do that for the rest of our career that's not sustainable and right. in the end the only reason truly that we did it is because it felt like there was a there was something genuinely we could offer our fans that was mm. was um was really cool for them and in the end it was really cool for us it was like we stopped going out to the merch table 7 years ago because wow. the last thing you want to do after you play a show putting all the shit on is to go like talk yeah. to the public that sometimes can be amazing but sometimes yes. reflects this crazy part of humanity back at you that you can't deal with after doing your art on stage very real yeah but very so real. we stopped doing well that said. years ago whereas during this tour like we, we go play for 400 people in washington dc that that sells out the show in one minute they're like rabid fans insane <coughs> and in that circumstance we can stand on stage and say like we want to meet all of you. We'll stand around and like meet everybody. Like, don't tell us your life story, but we'll s- shake hands. Yeah, we'll be here for an. Hour. We'll stand here for an hour and a half and shake hands and take a picture with everybody if you want to. You don't have to give everyone your full personality. No, but yeah. that was to me. It was amazing because we met. We played a show that was so full of life in D.C. You know that we haven't done in a while, 
and was in a small, stuffy, sweaty club that smelled like beer and oh, yeah. kind of reminded us like the early days. And, um, you know, go out and play a song in the middle of the crowd, like whatever, like have do a whole thing. And then afterwards we get to like <laughs> shake everybody's hand and so human and live in the moment. It wow. was really cool. It was cool for them. It was cool for us. It was great. And like I said, we can't do it every time because when 400 people buy, we also price the tickets really low. Because we but that had, was the name of the tour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because we hadn't done a show for less than like forty-five bucks in seven years. That's beauty. Um, which is crazy because it means there's a bunch of people that, like that don't want to spend forty-five dollars on a concert, right? Like, even if we are their favorite band, it's a good wine. It's a good bottle of wine. Totally. It's at least twelve years old bottle of wine. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we hoped that there was a bunch of people that wouldn't. Who wouldn't come for forty five bucks would for fifteen. Okay. So we put tickets at fifteen bucks, but like when you do a show for four hundred people at fifteen bucks, like do the math. We have a number of employees. We have you know like all yeah. this stuff. So you're doing six thousand a show, which is. Well, yeah, and fifty uh, percent of that immediately yeah. goes to the venue. Fifty. Yeah, insane. Maybe forty. Right, you have production. You have your breaking point. Yeah, you know, we got to travel there. We got to do all this stuff. In the end, like, money isn't being made that we can live on. Of course. And and we're able to go do shows for 45 bucks. Like, we have to do that. So this was a different thing that we could, we decided to do, but it was a great decision because it it meant there was this other experience that we had and they had, and that's an important thing. To me, the thing that comes out of it most, and and we're going to try to carry it forward because we feel like we had lost sight a little bit of it, is that it really is the whole thing doesn't make any sense unless you're making some connection with your audience. And for for many years, and it's not, it wasn't done in vain, it's because there's other markers in life Mm -hmm. that showed us it was worth doing, whatever, but for many years, uh, we approached a show like we find a room that's perfect acoustically, is comfortable for somebody to sit in, and Joey and I go out and give our all into the performance and try to make the best performance possible mm-hmm. so that people leave having felt like they witnessed something special. And wow. that's fine, and yep. that's good, yeah. but we didn't focus any of our attention towards that mm-hmm. connection with the audience. And even when performing, even when that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like it's obviously you're there and they're there and it's meaningful. But like when you're when you're making your en- when you're spending your energy towards trying to execute the solo perfectly or get the nuances of the music right or focus go. on that, um, your n- your energy just isn't focused on other people and you're not actually in the moment. You know, like there were tours where you go do twenty shows in a row and. <coughs> From our experience, it's exactly the same. You're playing yeah. in front of one microphone, and past that is darkness. And when you finish playing, people clap. Yeah, you hear noise. But you don't, like, there's nothing different <laughs> about the night before and right. the next night. And whatever, that's its own thing. It is. But as it turns out, like, if you're Yo-Yo Ma, Ooh. Maybe, maybe that's part of the whole deal. Yo-Yo Ma exists in a tradition where he's playing other people's music, and he's... and He's the part of a lineage of cellists and a lineage of whatever. And we are that too, but also we are, as are you, 
and as are our contemporaries, people that like write songs in their bedroom. And mm -hmm. if they don't do it, it literally doesn't exist. And if they do do it, we spend our lives trying to find people that like that specific thing. Of like, course. Like we're, we're whipping something out of nothing. It's like magic, you know? Do you ever consider the idea that people like what you do based off what they've already previously liked in another artist? Some of them, yeah. And then there's others that I think when they hear something that I wrote, it's it unlocks some way that they relate to the world that they hadn't been able to express before. And they, uh, you know, those are the pe I don't think there's millions of people that feel that way about the milk carton kids. But I've met people who come and right. say this song is means this to me in my life, and it's like that's amazing. Had I not written that, would they find something else to connect to that would bring their life meaning? Maybe, but not in the exact way that we connected or that that worked you know and that's like like truly it's the definition of like magic it's like you're conjuring something out of nothing Absolutely. and it's all well and good to like play a beautiful guitar solo over a yeah. piece of music that you wrote um and that too also does connect with people yeah but I'd say more often than not it's the words that you're putting out and the thing that you stand for and the you know the thing that people relate to that uh, is the is the fiber that makes that connection. And so like spending some energy on acknowledging that and being aware of that, I think is is worthwhile. And you've done so and you've curated the skill in a voice that is very you. So therefore it's very niche. It's not like you're trying to dumb down what comes out of you. I mean, maybe you do, but if you do, it's still very advanced, your art, to take in. Like, advanced might be, might not be the word, but it's very top shelf. Thank like, you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, if I only knew Jack Daniels, I'd see your whiskey. <laughs> like, what is that? It's kind of, you know, well-aged. and. Yeah, you know, some of that's lost on people. Some people aren't interested in that, is which that is fine. Is that all right fine. with you? Does that, al does that alter? No, that's fine. You, you align your aspirations with reality? Is that kind of the thing? Well, no, I mean, in a certain sense that we're being us, you know, totally kind of like the conversation before. We're being us, and, like, if anybody thinks that music, you know, when we talk about Rage Against the Machine, the place that their music reaches, th there's only a handful of people in human history that have achieved that. Yes. And there's millions of important songwriters, literally millions, millions in yes. the, you know, you'd fill encyclopedias with the ones that you should, if you have the time, you should go listen to Queen Elvis by Robin Hitchcock. You know, like, not many people have. I'm we sh we should. We'll, we play all it. we'll play to start the episode. Yeah, <laughs> we should. Um, all of this to say that, um, you know, like we are what we are, and we're going to resound with the people we resound with. To think that something we could do would, yeah, would make the connection the way a cold play would to an audience, th it's just not worth even thinking about. Because it's not in your control. No. Now, that's a weird thing for people. I'm slowly realizing this as a real thing because the more and more I feel satisfied, because um, we played a little under 100 shows last year. Yeah. It was about 45 shows in, I realized I was doing something a little bit wrong. And I changed the set list, and I changed the way I talked to the crowd, and I just changed the way I went about being in the moment. And different people started coming to the show that are in line with who I am as a person. Yeah. Like, I feel likened to them. 
yeah. experiences they're receiving, I'm producing, but we're both um, benefiting. Yeah. Right? It's like there's no falsehood. There's no untruth of my identity to them. And it's like that might change the threshold of how many people come to my shows. Right. You know what I mean? But it's like I feel like longevity is to be found in being yourself. Absolutely. It's yeah. the only option. You know, because like, like, do you think you're going to be the next Eric Clapton? So, no, because society needs to make you Eric Clapton. Exactly. Culture does. Yeah. You can't tell culture what to do. Yeah. That whole thing is, right, is this crazy, weird, complicated, like, crazy result of not one human what human. happened in human history. It's yeah. not because he's an exceptional guitar player, which he is. Yes. It's that that happened in the context of all of this stuff that happened. Yes. And you're right. He found his people along the way. But like, had were you born, had you been born in the early 50s and played the guitar the way you did, it's possible. I'd be clapped. You could have been clapped. Totally. Like yeah. you have the tools. Isn't that crazy? That he has. But like, you know, that's the same. Like when you think about, um. I mean, didn't have the timing, e- though. Who's a good example? Jackson Brown. If Jackson awesome. Brown was born 40 years later, would he have the? Would he have had the career that he has? No way. Uh, no. People don't listen to that. He'd be living in Silver Lake, serving cortados, <laughs> and then touring. Yeah, and he'd have a. He'd probably have a decent career. He'd have, he'd a, have a decent following. Yeah. He'd have a great agent. He'd even. Like he would, be, he would be at the top of his game, but they wouldn't put him on the radio. No, they wouldn't. I he'd mean, be on Lightning, he'd be on AAA. James Taylor, would that have happened for James, James Taylor? Ta- sells fifty thousand tickets. I'm like, every podcast I've done recently too, James Taylor comes up. I don't know how James Taylor is still that big. I know how they how? put him on the radio for oh, yeah. <laughs> decades, <laughs> for decades. How sweet it is to be loved. Yeah, and and he wrote incredible songs and is phenomenally talented. But do you think that had uh, that happened thirty years later, would it have resonated with, with, uh, with mass media culture in any way, shape, or form? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So the the real question here is the real thing to be said here is to align your aspirations with a dosage of reality that's pretty healthy. In real, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, also like, uh, I mean, there's a few things if you want to have. Justin Bieber's career, <clears throat> there's well, there's a certain thing you're going to have to tap into. But you need to be that person. You can't fake being that person because the person who he is him and the person who is naturally performing themselves will always do better than the person who's putting on a mask. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's weird, though, because like you said, are you in control of any of it? Are you? It's like. Who knows? Shit. That's heavy, though. I think about this often, my man. It's like you want to realize yourself so people can see you. Mm-hmm. And that's very difficult. But, but is it difficult also? I don't know. Uh-huh. My favorite thing of the last however long um, is <sighs> Billie Eilish. She's well, Everyone loves her. But this is the reason. Yeah. Is that to me, this is the reason and is one of the reasons everybody loves her is – and I'm talking only about the music here because of the like stage production and videos and stuff. Obviously, this doesn't stand true um, and can be another conversation entirely. But her music is 
when you listen to it, there's nothing deficient when compared to everything else in pop music. Okay. But oh. it's just her and her brother in a room. You know, and like like the last time we felt something like that culturally in a big way is Lord, who's mm-hmm. equally a badass and Adele. equally when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's all her and and these weird kids doing stuff. <laughs> but then there's just enough around it where you're like like, oh, was the, was the produce did the producer have a hand in like influencing yes. the sound? Is it a part of this thing? You know, like all of that. Oh, I see. Like all of that casts a little bit of doubt on like, is this also a part of the cultural thing that's happening or the trend in pop music or whatever? When Billie Eilish is totally that, but it's so mega easy to respect her mm. because it's just her and her brother doing oh. beats in a room and like singing. Yeah, it really is just that. And And that, like, strips away all of the doubt for me where, like... Doubt? How so doubt? Well, like, the doubt that would be cast upon anything that comes out of the, like, the pop music machine. Because its source is authentic, you don't doubt its authenticity. Totally. So the source must be authentic. The source must be... I think that it's always more encouraging when the source is authentic. And like I said, so I don't know, when I see these clips, she does these massive... Uh, stage performances with these crazy videos, high concept, clearly lots of money and lots of whatever. Maybe that's who she and is. Though. She's on a major label and there's lots of money and lots of the machine that pushes it towards wherever, totally. you know, like that dips into a different territory of like what's going on. But the music itself, which is really good, really good, man, is just her and her brother. It's just two people doing some stuff. And like, really that's awesome. That's like, that's what I try to do in my career. It's just me and another guy. It's just two guys doing some stuff. It is literally this in a room. You and, you and Joey. Yeah. Except way less money. <laughs> way, way less money. <laughs> way less so women. much less money. <laughs> Probably a hilarious amount less. Hilarious amount less. But you seem happy. To- I'm totally happy. I am. We. I am so grateful for the career we have. We are the luckiest people on earth. Do you know how many people I know personally that are vastly more talented than me that work harder, that are going for the same thing, and the only reason they don't have what I have is just I got lucky? Crazy. I always look at it as luck as like, you ever hear the story of like, yeah, Wilson got shot, and if the bullet was a millimeter over, he would have been paralyzed. It's like luck's the same thing. Yeah. It's like you really, you were just like a millimeter on mm-hmm. in the right time it was the right place the right thing totally and i wish i was a millimeter more on isn't that funnier <laughs> you know yeah i always wish that keeps me up at night sometimes ah but, but then you got to check yourself and say like i'm a 37 year old child who's never had a boss in his life fucking amazing and gets to play the guitar for a living yeah you know well it's not bad for flat feet though yeah that's really good. <laughs> Not bad for flat feet. <laughs> I wonder if Billie Eilish has flat feet. She certainly doesn't. She hops and shit. Who knows? Yeah. I bet Billie Eilish, She's like 18. the rest of us, is going to have a um, wildly complicated life that's <laughs> her own. that will be her own truth to live and her own truth to bear. <laughs> and I hope she is as badass as she is throughout it all. But, you know, that's a cool thing. That, to me, is a cool thing, is a, is a cool and a really clear. Because also, I got mad respect for a lot of these people. That, oh. You know, like, like, um, like they, uh, DaBaby. 
Okay. The baby's awesome. And and I get the impression that the baby's just being the baby. The baby is being the baby. And you know, like who knows all of the things that make the success of the baby. Um, I could think about it a million ways and, and I could learn something that would be like, that would make me think, Oh, fuck the baby. Or I could <laughs> learn, I could learn something that'd be like, Oh, it's not, but Billie Eilish is a really clear example of it. it's like, Oh, okay. If you do that and you get that, that's cool. I love how that yeah. works in society. But the baby, I like, sometimes I wish the baby was, uh, there's some, there's like one little area where I was just like, I wish the baby was cooler on that front. But other than that, I'm like, he's always talking about making a meal and he's talking about like, racks, it's great. Spending racks. A yeah. Rack. Yeah. And it's all set. It reminds me of like, uh, that era of new Jack city. Um, oh wow. Like where every beat kind of sounds the same. Like anytime one of those songs come on, it like puts you right in a place. The baby's tracks all sound the same like that, but they're all distinctly different, but it's got that, the the bounce da 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 it's all the same it's yeah, so cool it's yeah it's so good it makes your head move in a certain way it makes <laughs> your makes your ass tingle in a way <laughs> Kanye West talked about recently it's like with the with the newest album which like none of my fans think or probably all of my fans I don't know how much of a fuck they give about Kanye West but it's like this is a fascinating concept where he's like why don't I ever think about chakras when I'm producing music, like literally I'm not thinking about there's literal measured frequencies that affect each part of our body. And he's like, <clears throat> so he developed this, I, I might be getting it off wrong in a, in a, in a violent way, but there's a stem player now and I, it'll be hardware and it'll also be software, but basically users will be able to get stems of songs. Cool. And be able to interact at, to their please, to their pleasure. Absolutely wild. So it's like you're talking about there's these tracks that get you, you know what I mean? Like you just move your head like this. It's like maybe that's what that audience needs for that music. And it's like what your music does physically, it's a different reaction, but you're eliciting the same satisfaction to a desire. Yeah. Um, the thing that I want to ask about that, which I think about very heavily, which is like when, you, when the thing is happening and you guys are writing songs, because we previously, when, when we were – when we were doing, you were you were helping me produce some tracks of mine, like yeah. in 2018. And I brought some songs to you, and I asked you what your process was, and you were saying, "Well, Joey writes a lot of the songs, and I make them better," <laughs> which was so funny. But yeah. it's like okay. sometimes I make them worse, probably too, but are mostly better. Are you overthink? Like, are you getting right into the nitty gritty of 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 this of this lyric here? Are you editing it to the to a fifth degree? Is that a real thing for you? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it needs that. Sometimes it doesn't. When do you know it's it just speaks internally? Like when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also there's a huge thing about that I've learned as I've gotten older. Which is what? Which, well, and I don't know if it's a function of getting older or if it's a function of being a better artist. It, it's unclear which... It is, um, but that there's a huge, huge mm. – there nice. is a great liberation and a great success in recognizing with all artistic endeavors that at a certain point you just accept that it's good enough and you move on. 
You you surrender. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Because wow. sometimes, wow. sometimes it's really important that the exact right syllables are in wow. place in this part in the chorus, and sometimes it doesn't matter what the hell you say right before it. Wow. And like, how do you know what's right and which is right? You just trust your gut, and when you've when you're working on it too much, you should stop. And either put it out and move on or stop and throw it away and move on. Oh, wow. You know? Do you guys, do you throw away things? Yeah, and sometimes you throw them away and you bring them back years later. That's fucked up. <laughs> That's frustrating. <laughs> sometimes, but I mean, like, in our case, the most crazy example of that is the song Monterey. Oh, yeah. Which is the first track on our third studio album. It sounds like its name, Monterey. Yeah. yeah. I wrote that song before Joey and I ever met. Oh, wow. And I wrote every guitar part. I wrote the harmony. I wrote, like, like I wrote that song note for note before Joey and I ever met. And it was one of the first songs we tried to play together, and it sounded like crap. Mm -hmm. And it took five years of playing together for us to be able to go back to the thing that I wrote and be able to play it together in a way that sounded like music. Mm -hmm. And Sounds so, like, the way that that story unfolds is like it couldn't have happened any other way because if i waited if i tried to write that song five years later i would have written a completely different song real but when i wrote that song it wasn't like joey and i didn't know how to play together yet we didn't have the we didn't have the um mature sense of shared time that we did five years later to be able to i mean when you listen to that he's almost playing in a different it almost sounds like he's playing at a different time signature, the disparity of the grooves mm -hmm. of his rhythm, rhythm part and my lead part. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have been able to, we couldn't do that in the first three years of our band. We hadn't, we hadn't developed that language with each other. Development. Do you have empathy in regards to how long it takes you to develop certain things? Or are you trying to move timelines along in a way that is hasty? And are you letting things unfold? At this point, also, and I think it's a function of age. Like, uh. like, I'm just too tired to be hasty. <laughs> 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 and like, with enough water under the bridge now, you kind of know that like certain things come around to vindicate you and whatever. Like, just wait, just wait for it. Like, if today's a shitty day, Tomorrow. aim for bedtime. <laughs> like. You know, like, like don't, <laughs> don't extend the suffering. Are you still at a time in your life where, like, are, do you still lay awake on your pillow and, like, the guitar solos are going through your brain and you, like, when you're trying to sleep and it keeps you up? That I'm tracking, like, for releasing? Yeah, or just, like, or, like, like, does an idea enter your brain and you can't shake it off and it oh, yeah. loses sleep? Yeah. That was me. In my 20s, I was a competitive bridge player. And you played bridge? Yeah. And so I would stay up at night. I wouldn't be able to sleep because... Bridge is hard. Yeah, but because there would be uh, these like bri fantasy bridge hands that would be in my head and I'd have to play it out in my head like oh, as yeah. if I was in a tournament and figure out who would play what card, like this and that, whatever. And it would keep me up at night because I was so... It was like the... It was like the um, yeah. purpose of my being. Mirror neurons. Yeah. We're one of the only anim like animals that we know have mirror neurons, and we can do activities in our mind in the same pathways will fire off in our brain as if we're physically doing it. Yeah. So you are playing bridge. Right, I was playing bridge. Your brain bridge. doesn't know. But I'll tell you what, it was it was it's a it was a young man's 
game because I was like I was like 22 being kept up by fantasy bridge hands in my mind I should have fucking gone to sleep got up the next day and done something real (laughs) you know but that's what happens to young people and and also old people that happens to impassioned people and that's 37 is not old no it's not but but I feel like I'm a little more in control of where I can contextualize my passion I want to get into that so hard I really want to. I want to transcend. I want to bypass. You ever see Easy Pass? Yeah. Tolls. I. I feel like I have enough smart friends. And I'm. I'm capable enough of a man, of a person. Yeah. Um. To be able to kind of easy pass through this twenties. Nice. So it's like, what? Is, what's the deal? How do I be thirty-seven while being twenty-five? Right. What's the deal? How do I feel thirty-seven? Because like, I bet you feel more patient. I bet when you go to on the onset of a project, it's less of a mountain and it's more of a, a series of steps. Yeah. It's like, what's the deal with that? What are your thoughts on that? Because that's a pretty yeah. good question. Obnoxiously I live your own truth. And, you know, the thing is, the the big thing oh. I think we all learn about this is it's about um, it's mo- I think <laughs> I think that it's mostly anxiety. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. Do, it's, how does anxiety work for you now? Uh, I am more anxious than I've ever been in my life, but on a different level, like in my own personal head. I think I'm in a crisis at the moment, which is fine, but it doesn't have it's it's not related to um, like my musical or my professional identity or health or health. Health is health is pretty good. I mean, it's wrapped up in that, but it's like um, you're in a crisis, though. Yeah, I just feel shitty physically and trying to figure out what, like, how to find some balance there. Are you not liking where you're living? No, no, I like that. No, it's just, I think it's deep-seated. Maybe you need a dog. Human stuff. It Literally, it could be something like that. Mm. Where, like, yeah, that makes me not, my brain not think about certain things. But if I think back, if I reflect back on my youth and I reflect back on, on what, this also happens with a lot of the artists I produce that are at the beginning of their career. Yeah. A big part of the job is is quelling their insecurities so that they don't make decisions that are a result of their insecurities and cloud what they are trying to express. Of course. Um, that's the thing to me that defines the oh, wow. younger generation or, or just the younger artist finding their way is the more that you can just unapologetically be you oh wow and not spend the time worrying about what mm. when you when you arrive oh. to a situation what other people are expecting of course because it, what you learn in life is that life orders itself in a way where it, that just naturally happens more and more you're like, not in control of that. Like that'd be silly. Yeah, to think. but at right. 37, you're no longer a person that somebody's going to invite to do a thing that when you show up, you don't do. Whereas that happens Can you a lot. That? I yeah. don't know if I get that. Well, it's like, have you ever been on a session where you show up and like you realize you're exactly the wrong guy for the oh, job? Many times. And and you're like, how did they get this wrong? Like mm-hmm. what? Why am that I happens a lot less at 37 because by then mm-hmm. you're running with the crew you run with longer. There's more of a tale of like what mm-hmm. you've done and what people expect. Mm-hmm. There's enough like there's more experiences where people go, oh, like if if Daniel's not the guy, he just tells you and leaves or, you know, like what, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, 
but I did that a lot earlier in my life when you're just because also it's life. So you're just trying to find like sometimes you're trying to find a way to make money. Sometimes you're trying to find a way to break into a scene that wouldn't let you in and you show up and, and you have a lot of like anxiety about like, do I belong here? Can I do what I'm doing here? Whereas if the if the 23 year old can find a way to just show up and be like, Here's me. Take it or leave it. Fuck y'all. I, I feel like that That's is one way. of the ways to shed this sort of like existential dread of like. It's pretty Marxist. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Whoa. So, not giving a fuck about other people's opinions. Yeah, to an extent, because you can't be an asshole, you know. Or can you? But like, I guess to put it a different way, or can you? True. I guess to put it a different way is. When I was 23, if I showed up in a place and I was the wrong guitar player... It was your fault. And I would be Personally. devastated. Right. Leaving. I would be devastated. And, and I would be devastated to the point where I would question who I am and what I can do so that that wouldn't happen again. Whereas yeah. if I go into a place now and I'm the wrong person, I go, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. Somebody else got it wrong. Well. That ain't my fault. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm good for. I'm a good person, a decent person who's willing yeah. to work hard, is generous. Like, yeah. if I'm the right person for something, I'm the right person. If I'm not, it's not going to shake me to my core and make me worried that I won't have a career, I won't be able to express myself, or I won't have a, of course. you know, important thing to say or play or whatever. Oh, wow. And But that's hard to see because, like, you know, when I was 23, I didn't own a home. I didn't have 10 years of people buying my concert tickets. I didn't you have... You wanted those things, though. I wanted those things. That's what you're going for. That's were you unsure of achievement of, of achievement of those things? Or were you... Because you put out an immense amount of work before the Milk Carton Kids started. Yeah, and it's bad. And, and you oh, always it's say bad. it's bad. And you, uh, you haven't let me hear any of it. You, you know said what? You Who's send me a CD. I never got the CD. Um... I I won't let my girlfriend hear it because if she hears it, I'm pretty sure she would leave me. <laughs> so I'm definitely not letting you hear it. <laughs> but that's how bad it is. You had to make it. You had to make shit work. You had to. Yeah. You flushed out the water. You flushed out the water. But here's one thing. I, I remember thinking... This is the big point I wanted to ask you about because yeah. you've done this in a way that I've admired. I didn't know I admired it until I realized what the concept was. Have you heard of the concept of explore versus exploit? No. Okay. So this is something that we do all the time. Either we explore new options or we get or we like the same thing that we've tried before. So like if you go to Wild Cow, vegan restaurant, yeah. fucking amazing. I get the tempeh burrito every time. I never yeah. get anything different. So I, I exploit. Some people are more exploratory. I have found with music, most people like exploit. We like the same records that we've kind of liked mm -hmm. our whole life. And we create music, so it's a little bit different. But most listeners. So it's like you guys, in a really clever way, have a sound that is very exploit. Because a lot of people say it sounds like a certain thing, right? Yeah. Some people say it sounds like Simon Garfunkel. Some people say it's just like Americana 
folky acoustic vibes. But it's like, what's the concept? Or like, what's the thing that's going on in your mind where it's like, your music sounds like something, but it still feels unique and it still feels real to you. How conscious of this are you aware? How aware of this are you when you're making music, when yeah. you're writing, when you're producing? Is that a real thing for you guys? Are it you is. trying to like it's stay a hard the box? and it's a hard thing. No, listen, the beginning of our band the the limitations were very liberating. Because oh, because you just have two guitars and two voices and my goal in music oh. is you make something that sounds truthful and sounds beautiful. That's what I'm always after. You've said this before. Yeah. yeah. And so when you have two guitars and two voices and you have to do that all at the same time, you know, it goes down a certain way. And so when that happens, it sounds like some things. We sound like Simon and Garfunkel when we sing. Any band that has two guitars and two voices that's existed past um, 2001, you have to give some mad credit to Gillian Welch and Dave Rollins about the way that that's arranged and what you can do with that. Um, the there's uh there's a Everly Brothers component that's tapped into that's like so you're aware, totally you're aware, but at the same time you're also just trying to do your best at any moment and um and interestingly wow. what happens is. With Joey and I, yeah. after four albums in six years, we got to a point where Exploit oh. felt like it reached a dead end. And we said, man, we're writing the same four songs over and over. And wow. we're kind of getting lazy here. We're, f you know, we need something different. We went a little bit drastic on the way that we changed and explored. But that was all to the point also, you know, and, and when we come back around to... Um, when we come back around to 2019 mm. and we decide we're going to make a duo record again. Yeah. The way that that came together was different than the way the other duo records came together. Yeah. Because we found a new perspective on what two guitars and two voices is. Um, but that wouldn't have necessarily come about if we didn't go off. Course. and explore the band and if we didn't have you know if life didn't wow. happen the way that it happened but so we thought we were at a dead end with exploit and um this new record we made sort of felt like we were inching into different territory that we hadn't messed around with before yeah. and that thing and that was good to return to because like we spent so much time in that construct in that context and and there is a lot to be done you know like once you once you um, w once you spend so much time in a thing, the thing you're doing with it becomes nuanced in a way that can't happen in the first year and can't happen oh, with wow. the first twenty songs you write. You know, like there's 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 progress being made there, and there's different a different expression that's happening there. But yeah, you don't want to end up like playing your own greatest hits and writing the same thing. So it's again like sort of like we were talking about earlier. It's always this like constant struggle for balance of figuring out what you know. There's there's something to be said for all of it. You got to figure out what's right for the moment. You got to oh wow. You know sometimes something isn't right for the moment. Sometimes you have to go through stuff and reflect on it a year later and realize 
why you were led there and why and what you can do coming out of it that you know big thing that i always like um anybody that's in relationships if you if you like lock horns with your partner the thing for me that is the only way forward yeah like the only chance you have is depend like you might be in the heat of the battle you might be like the dust may have settled whatever but the only thing that seems to ever be a sign of moving on and moving forward is like putting your head together and saying like what do like obviously shit's fucked right now but what do we want what are we going for because that contextualizes all of the stuff that's happening that either party's pissed at or or like what like what are we actually going for because there's a reason that we're here together there's a reason we're locked up but like it seems like we're caught in this place where we're not look. We don't have our eye on the prize. So like, what is that thing? And if we're trusting one another that we want that together, like what can we do to move forward? And to me, that's always the only way that like I can get over my shit, like whatever I'm dealing with, whatever I'm holding on to, whatever I'm contributing to the problem. The only way forward is like, Oh yeah. Like we're partners in a thing and we're going after something like, what do we want and how do we get there? And wow. you can use that to like drag yourself forward through the stuff. And I think that happens with all of the sort of um, adversarial turns in music where you don't know what's going on, what's happening. Like very real, like checking in with yourself and saying, what do I want? What does it mean? Where, like what's important for this? It contextualizes the now and you're able to say, well, I don't need that or this is, or I really need to do this. Or, yeah. Whoa. Contextualize the now. Yeah. Did you just write that? Yeah. That's very wrong, Doss. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. some wisdom. It should well, be the name of a book. Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. I know you're busy, guys. Anytime. Really I'm so happy it worked. Yeah. Right on. In your guitar den. Your oh, guitar dude, yeah. Cave. I and I wore it. these New Balance for you. Oh, and this, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, the New Balance are amazing. I want the, what number is those? X90? X90. Yeah. Are you yeah. Amazon priming them right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to. I told y'all it was deep. When Kenneth Pattengill gets on that train, he stays on it. And there's a lot of gold to be mined there, which are two analogies that did not link together at all, but I hope they made sense. Damn. Learned a lot from this conversation with Kenneth, and uh, I hope y'all can go check out the Milk Carton Kids' latest release, and then also check out the, literally the entire catalog, because uh, the evolution makes sense if you listen to it, especially having after listening to this conversation. All the numbers add up well. And uh, y'all go check me out on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, my website, merchandise, everything. And we're on tour. We still have 26 more shows to go. Some are already sold out. Some are not sold out. Let's sell those out. Love y'all. Stay happy. Stay cosmic. Stay positive. Stay good. Talk to you later. <laughs>